So I'm really safe up here with all that stuff, you know, protecting. As I was working um, on getting ready for tonight, um, part of what I did was to kind of drop back into uh, the series that we did back in, I think, end of 2013, 14. And I think I preached for like a year on Sunday nights on the life of David. It, it may have been longer. I meant to get the actual dates. And so the beginning of the week as I began working on this, I said, you know what? You are completely crazy that, that you're going to cover this whole section of David's life uh, in this short a time when you spent so long on the series. I would, I would recommend that if you wanted to pick up a little more about the, the life of David, um, some of the things that come up tonight, that you might want to go to that series, you can look it, look it up uh, through our website, through Sermon Audio, and um, pick up some of these um, events and get to have a little deeper view of them. Last time we were together, and it was uh, several weeks ago, that we looked at David, uh, part one, he was chosen to lead. And you remember how I had the 10-year-olds, the 15-year-olds stand up? Because that's when when David was anointed, when he was already called a man after God's own heart. Like, um, you know, 10 years old, 11 years old, you can be a man or a woman after God's own heart. God noticed him in the whole nation of Israel as the one that he was going to choose to be the next king. And so we saw that he had a God-centered heart, and then we saw him anointed and empowered Anointed by Samuel, empowered by the Lord, that's what the anointing was meant to symbolize, and the power of the Spirit came on him. We see providential direction in his life, where here you have this shepherd boy who ends up in the court of the king. Then we saw this God-driven courage where he takes on Goliath. The whole army is afraid of Goliath, but he, as you know, no, no older than 19, uh, probably 17, 18, takes on uh, Goliath and becomes a soldier eventually in, in Saul's army. And then we see this public acclaim where uh, the women are saying David has killed his 10,000. Saul is thousands, David is 10,000. He becomes really a national hero. And so here you have the shepherd boy, the youngest in his family, who's a no-name, who's totally unknown, who now is known literally by the whole nation and is working in the court of the king and in the army of the king. God chose him to lead, and God, God got him to where he needed to be. And we might think, well, that, that means life is going to be great. I mean, who wouldn't want to be David? Well, you might want to be David up to that point, but, but things quickly turn uh, very difficult. Just because God has his hand on you, and just because you're answering that call of God doesn't mean life is going to get easy. I think sometimes we think that it will, but we, we regularly see those even that come to faith in Christ. And that first season is often a very difficult season where Satan tries to dis derail them and, and to discourage them from following the Lord when God's done a work. So I've entitled the message, Hated, Hunted, and Safe, and those are the three points um, that we're going to use for our flyover of of David's life. So first, uh, David is hated. In 1 Samuel 18, we see that Saul envies and fears David because the Lord is with him. You know, you would think, oh, here, here's somebody that God is with, that that would be attractive to Saul, but it was not. 
And so in 1 Samuel 19, Saul tries to kill David, and David flees. In 1 Samuel 20, uh, Jonathan, Saul's son, makes a covenant uh, with David. And you remember that friendship is just an um, amazing example of loyal friendship. They really didn't get to spend much time together because David had to be on the run. That friendship uh, was a distant friendship for many years. Well, in 1 Samuel 18, in verse 8, we begin to learn, and when that gives you the overview, we, we learn uh, what happened. Saul was very angry, and this saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands. What more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. The next day, a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul, and he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre, as he did day by day. Remember, David had been called to the court of the king to play this instrument because of the fits that Saul was having with, with this demon. And Saul had his spear in his hand, and Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David evaded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. So Saul removed him from his presence and made him a commander of a thousand, and he went out and came in before the people. In fact, Saul would send him on missions that he was sure would be unsuccessful so that David would be killed in battle, but it didn't work. David had success in all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. And when Saul saw that he had great success, he stood in fearful awe of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David, for he went out and came in before them. And so Saul tries to work a, a trap to trap David. Uh, he offers him uh, Michael, his daughter, actually his older daughter first, and then later Michael. And, uh, but he has to bring evidence that he's killed uh, 100 Philistines. He says, okay, the Philistines will end up killing David. Well, David uh, ends up killing uh, the Philistines. He, he, he actually, Michael, David's daughter, loves him. When Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him, he gave Michael to David in marriage. Saul was even more afraid of David. So Saul was David's enemy continually. In 1 Samuel 19, Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And so later, Jonathan goes to talk to his dad. Jonathan spoke well of David as Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his deeds have brought good to you. For he took his life in his hand and struck down the Philistine. And the Lord worked a great salvation for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood by killing David without a cause? And Saul, this time, listened to the voice of Jonathan. Saul swore, as the Lord lives, he shall not be put to death. Now, that didn't last very long, by the way. Um, but Jonathan called David. David, Jonathan reported to him all these things. Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as before. And there was war again. And David went out and fought with the Philistines, struck them with a great blow, so that they fled before him. Then a harmful spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in the house with a spear in his hand, and David was playing the lyre. So here we go again. And Saul sought to pin David to the wall with a spear, but he eluded Saul so that he struck the spear into the wall, and David fled and escaped that night. 
These are only some of the things that happened. But King Saul, you recall, had rejected the word of the Lord. He had disobeyed the Lord when God gave clear commands. So the Lord rejected Saul. He had this from Samuel the prophet. Saul's suffering, this spirit sent from the Lord, was judgment on him from the Lord. And David's success was because the Lord was with him. So if you think the center point here is the relationship to the Lord, when, when Saul turned against God, God turned against him, and God sought for a person whose heart was aligned with the Lord. The public favor, the military success, the love of Saul's son Jonathan and Saul's daughter Michael, they all came from the Lord's blessing on David. In fact, you know, if the Lord is with you, um, that's, that's all the blessing that you need. Everybody else can be against you. But the fact that the Lord was with him and blessed him this way was why Saul envied David, why he feared him, and why he, why he hated David enough to kill him. So, do not think that if you love the Lord and the Lord blesses you, everyone's going to love you and treat you well. It's not uncommon for those who serve the Lord to experience hatred and hardship instead. And, and I just want to mention, because regularly um, in, in serving the people that are part of our congregation, people come up into, into experiences in their life that don't go like they thought they, would, they should go. They, they, they are disillusioned that, you know, they were serving the Lord and, and hard things came into their life. And, and people that they wanted a good relationship with, now it's a strained relationship and they're mistreated. And very often, the human nature is, is to start questioning God because of that. To say, God, you're not the way I thought you should be. And, and you see people's faith be shaken. Understand that when we, look at, when we look at passages like this, and this is just one sampling, the, the Bible is straight up with us on this. It's very frank on this. Don't expect life to go easy just because you're serving the Lord. Don't, don't think that, okay, if something goes wrong, I, I must have done something wrong before God. It might be that you've done something right, that you're actually loving the Lord the way you should. It, and it doesn't mean that God's abandoned you either. I think we often think that. Things start going south, things start going badly, and we go, God, where are you? How come you've left me alone? Well, maybe God hasn't left you alone at all. Maybe God is actually with you. And part of the reason you're going through this is because God is with you, because that's precisely why David was hated as he was and why he went through these hardships. And this, this hatred and, and the fact that, that Paul was seeking after is going to go through the rest of the book of, of 1 Samuel. We see then, because of this hatred, David was hunted. Saul's war against David harms not only David or seeks to do harm to David, but harms hundreds of other people too. And from them, God will build a band of loyal followers for David. So everything that Saul does to try to destroy David, actually God turns to the advantage of David. In 1 Samuel 21, as David flees, the priest and Nob help him. He doesn't tell him that he's fleeing from Saul. He says he's on a special mission. They give him food to eat from the showbread from the day before. 
uh, in, there in the, the tabernacle. They, they provide him with the sword that belonged to um, Goliath of Gath. But there is a henchman of Saul, Doeg the Edomite, who watches all this. And, and we have this, this kind of, it's um, a word I want, foreboding feeling. We have this dread that something bad is about to happen because Doeg was there. David flees to Gath and Philistia. He's trying to get away from Saul. Well, in 1 Samuel 22, he finds shelter in a cave, and there gathers to him a small army, uh, some 400 um, men. Saul ends up slaughtering all the priests and their families. Only Abiathar escapes because they had helped David. And he accuses them of being disloyal to the king. And he says, ah, so here Saul's hatred is spilling out uh, on lots of other people and wiping out whole families. By the way, if you're nursing hatred in your heart for somebody, don't think that only that person is going to be harmed by it. It'll harm you and it'll harm a lot of other people too. Um, We need to have hearts right with God that helps us have hearts right with other people and we don't do the damage. Well, we read about this time in the cave in 1 Samuel 22. David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, and everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him, and he became commander over them. And there were with him about 400 men. These men, among them, will become what we, we call David's mighty men. This is going to be the beginning of his, his core uh, army. In verse 5, the prophet Gad said to David, Do not remain in the stronghold. Depart. Go into the land of Jordan of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Herath. He is hunted, but God is providing him shelter in the cave. God is providing him allies, and God is providing him direction as well. And that leads us to the third point that we see, that David is safe. And this would be chapters 23 to 31. Saul will hate and hunt David for many years, over a decade. Over a decade. He's a teenager when he starts out, and he'll be 30 by the time he's king. David will also make blunders that could have destroyed him. Like he runs to, to hang out with the Philistines, carrying the sword of Goliath. I mean, how stupid is that? Um, you, you killed this, this hero from the Philistines, and now you're going to find help from the Philistines. While some help him, others will betray him. But through it all, God intervenes to keep David safe for the purpose that he has promised, for the purpose that he anointed him to do. So in 1 Samuel 23, we see direction and protection from God. And give you some idea here in 1 Samuel 23 in verse 6, when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, had fled to David to Keilah, he had come down with the ephod in his hand. And that's going to be significant. Um, Abiathar, the only survivor of that slaughter of the priest, will end up joining David and he'll bring the ephod that the high priest used for discerning the will of God, things that you couldn't know otherwise. Now, it was told Saul that David had come to Keilah, and Saul said, God has given him into my hand. I mean, look at this. 
silly language. God has given him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. And Saul summoned all the people to war to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. David knew that Saul was plotting harm against him. And he said to Abiathar the priest, bring the ephod here. Then David said, O Lord, the God of Israel, your servant has surely heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah to destroy the city on my account. Will the men of Keilah surrender me into their hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord, the God of Israel, please tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. Then David said, will the men of Keilah surrender me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will surrender you. Do you realize God not only knows the future, God knows the future that could be. You know, a lot of times we go through things and say, oh, if I had only done something different, oh, what if I had done this or what if I had done that? You know what? God knows what if you'd done that. He knows exactly what would it. God knows not just your future. He knows what your future could have, would have, might have been. Which is... I mean, think about the level of safety we're talking about. God knows all the possible outcomes. So when he chooses a path for you, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Verse 13, then David and his men, who were about 600, notice it's grown, arose and departed from Keilah, and they went wherever they could go. When Saul was told that David had escaped from Keilah, he gave up the expedition, and David remained in the strongholds in the wilderness, in the hill country of the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God did not give him into his hand. Later we read, as Saul and his men were closing in on David, he was on one side of the mountain and David was on the other. He was closing in on David and his men to capture them. A messenger came to Saul saying, hurry and come. For the Philistines have made a raid against the land. So Saul returned from pursuing after David and went against the Philistines. Therefore, that place was called the Rock of Escape. And David went up from there and lived in the strongholds of Engedi. So here, Saul is about to close in on David, and a messenger comes, and God sends him against the Philistines to give David a break. In 1 Samuel 24, David refuses to kill Saul when he has the chance, and Saul admits, now I know that you shall surely be king. This is how the story went. When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of, the, out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men in the front of the wild goat's rocks. And he came to the sheepfolds by the way where there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. And the men of David said to, said to him, Here is the day which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it seems good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterward, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. What is David thinking here? He's thinking, you know what? God's in charge, and, and I'm not going to take things into my own hands. 
Verse 15, David lets Saul know that he spared his life. And he says, May the Lord therefore be judge and give sentence between me and you and see to it and plead my cause and deliver me from your hand. As soon as David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. You know, Saul's a mess here. He, 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 he's back and forth. He's a very unstable person uh, once, once the Lord left him and he, and he had rejected the Lord. He said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have repaid me good, whereas I repaid you evil. And you have declared this day how you've dealt well with me, and that you did not kill me when the Lord put me into your hands. For if a man finds his enemies, will he let him go away safe? So may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. And now, behold, I know that you shall surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. You know, how we respond to evil done against us honors the Lord and often brings conviction to the hearts of those who hate us. You know, David was enduring what he was enduring because the Lord had anointed him, and he had confidence that the Lord would get him to the right place at the right time. He wasn't going to do it for himself. And, and right after that lesson, we see David do some foolish things. In 1 Samuel 25, you see David and Abigail, the wife of Nabal. Abigail is going to eventually be David's wife. But, but Nabal's name means fool, and he's one of these hard-headed fools, and, and he won't help David at all. And David gets angry, straps on his sword, gathers his men, and they're going to go wipe out Nabal and all his family. And Abigail intervenes and provides for them and keeps David from doing what would have been a very foolish thing. He's protected from foolishness. In 1 Samuel 26, David spares Saul a second time. So Saul, even though Saul, you know, recognizes that David's supposed to be king, he keeps chasing him, and Saul repents again. This is what he says. Then Saul said, 1 Samuel 26, I have sinned. Return, my son David, for I will no more do you harm, because my life was precious in your eyes this day. Behold, I have acted foolishly and have made a great mistake. And David answered and said, Here is the spear, O king. Let one of the young men come over and take it. The Lord, remember, he had taken um, the, the spear, and Saul didn't realize it was even gone. The Lord rewards every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness, for the Lord gave you into my hand today. And I would not put out my hand against the Lord's anointed. Behold, as your life was precious this day in my sight, so may my life be precious in the sight of the Lord, and may he deliver me out of all tribulation. Then Saul said to David, Blessed be you, my son David. You will do many things and will succeed in them. So David went his way, and Saul returned to his place. You know, encouragement from the Lord can come from the most unlikely sources. And God chooses, even through the mouth of David's enemy Saul, to give him encouragement that God is going to complete what he has promised. In 1 Samuel 27, you see David joining the Philistines for protection. That's dumb. He's done this before. In 1 Samuel 28, Saul goes to a witch of Endor and tries to call up Samuel. That was dumb, going to a witch. Um, but lo and behold, Samuel shows up and tells Saul he's going to die the next day. In 1 Samuel 29, the Philistines tell David to leave. Good thing, because the Philistines were marching against Israel. David was in a, in a tight spot where he was going to be the armor bearer of the king, 
fighting against his own people. He had gotten himself in this mess. And, and God worked in the lords of the Philistines to say, look, don't you remember this? David has killed his ten thousands, Saul his thousands. You don't want this guy in battle against the Israelites? And of course, during this time, David had been doing raids um, in, in outlying villages, enemies of Israel, and uh, had been lying to the Philistines about what he was doing. Well, in 1 Samuel 30, the Amalekites take David's wives with the families of his armies, and David and, the, and his army recover them. But it, it looked like, see, the reason these, that David's family was left vulnerable this way is because David was hanging out with the Philistines. And, and his own men are going to turn against him. And it looks like here at the last, when Saul is about to be killed, that David's about to be killed as well. Now, when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, they had traveled three days, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev in the south and against Ziklag, and they had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with them raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. Have you ever wept you know, so long that you can't, no more tears will come? Um, we have times like that. David's two wives also had been taken captive, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And God gave them the ability to overtake the Amalekites and to recover everybody safely. When everything and everyone seems to have turned against you, turn to the one famous for his steadfast love and faithfulness. And then we get to 1 Samuel 31, the death of Saul and Jonathan. And the period of being hated and hunted is over. Hated, hunted, and safe. That part of the story is over, but the story is not over. David has come through many dangers and toils and snares since Samuel anointed him to be king. He's 30 now, and the throne is about to be his. There will still be civil war for seven years. For only Judah is going to anoint him king. And I cannot believe it. I'm looking at the clock right now. And we covered 1 Samuel 18 to 31 in 20 minutes. Or thereabouts. It's 6.20. So I, my apologies to the kidsmen people. Are you texting them and saying like, okay. It's really unpredictable what's going to happen up here. Um, but... But I hope that, that what you've seen in this, this kind of 30,000-foot view is, is how God was orchestrating David's life in all the ups and downs, the people that hated him, the people that betrayed him, the mistakes he himself made, the foolish times. There's actually a period in his life where you see no mention of the Lord for, for like nine months of his life. We don't know if he was even seeking the Lord at all. And, and God still preserved him and brought him through that. 
And it really, it, it really teaches us something about ourselves. God, if you're a believer, if you're trusting the Lord, God knew your name before the creation of the world. And God will not forget you no matter what happens today or tomorrow or the next week or the next year. God will fulfill the purpose he has for you. His love is steadfast for his people, and he's always reliable. So some of you are going through really tough things. Some of you are going through confusing things. You're going through things that you never would have chosen, and you've had to make decisions that you're not even sure is the right decision. That's okay. What matters is that the Lord is with you. And if the Lord is with you, you may be hated, you may be haunted, but you are safe. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word and thank you for examples like this. Few of us will have a life that is, is so dramatic as David's life. Um, few of us will experience hand-to-hand combat and, and just the horrendous kinds of things that David experienced in his life. And yet, Lord, just because we're not warriors, um, just because we're not living a thousand years before Christ and that, that time and place doesn't mean that we don't face things that overwhelm us, things that frighten us, people that mistreat us, um, decisions that are, are too difficult for us to figure out. And so, Lord, we, we look to you. We pray that you would be our shepherd, that you would guide us each step of the way, and that you would get us safely home. And we're confident of that, Lord, for your steadfast love and your goodness will pursue us all the days of our life until finally we dwell in the house of the Lord forever.